to 1 Kings chapter number 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, one verse, verse number 12. 1 Kings chapter number 19 and verse number 12. If you're a visitor here and uh, maybe don't have a Bible, there are black Bibles in the pews, maybe not one right in front of you, but if you look around uh, a pew before or after down the row, you can get one of the black Bibles. It's page number 435 in the older uh, black Bibles, the newer black Bibles, that's page 237. So if you want to uh, go there and read along, because we are going to be, um, sometimes we have it up here on the, on the board behind me, but we're, we're going to read a passage of scripture, a whole portion of scripture uh, in a little bit, and I'd like for you to, to refer to your Bible and, and, and keep it open there. First Kings chapter number 19, just one verse, and we'll go back and, and begin with verse number one in a little bit, but right now just verse number 12. The Bible says, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And we're going to be emphasizing today that still small voice, the way that God speaks to us, his people. That still small voice. Help us, Lord, to seek and to listen to that still small voice. Lord, I know that you want to communicate, you want to get our attention. You want to arrest our attention, speak to us clearly. And so, Lord, I pray that you do that today. Lord, I know there's not a one here that you don't love and love with a love that is far beyond anything that we can even ever experience in any other area from any other person. But, Lord, we thank you for your wonderful love toward us and, and that desire to communicate. So, Lord, I pray that Today, right now, we would kind of put everything off to the side, everything away, and allow you to speak to us, and Lord, that we would listen, that we would be seeking and listening to that still small voice of yours to us. So, Lord, I pray that you'd renew us in the only way that you that uh, you can. Lord, we can't get that from anywhere else. Lord, we pray that you would do that today for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> If you take your, your Bible there in 1 Kings chapter number 19 and read with me from verse number 1, and we'll read down through verse number 18. Here's the story that we ended up with last week and what we'll continue with that story. 1 Kings chap chapter number 19, verse number 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elisha had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. You know the story there in the previous chapter, Mount Carmel experience where they built the two altars. Nobody answered when the prophets of Baal called. They were trying to see who is the real God. Is there a fake here? Is there, is there an imposter? Is there a real God? And so they had this contest, and they were crying out to Baal and all their gods, and there was no answer. But then when they prayed to the one and true God, the creator God, he answered by fire and burnt up the offering, and they were found to be charlatans and, uh, and purport, uh, pushing a hoax, upon the people, and they were killed, and all of that, that entire uh, religious uh, um, house of cards fell, and, uh, but they were Jezebel's, uh, Jezebel's men that, that were uh, paid uh, through her coffers, and so here Ahab come home, comes home after the church service and said, you should have been there. This is what happened. This happened and this happened. And, and the prophets, all your prophets, that uh, 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of the groves, they were slain with a sword. Verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them, those that were slain, by tomorrow about this time. Sets the timer, gives them 24 hours, and says, in 24 hours, you're, you're history. And, and lays it out and says, I'm going to get you, and you're going to be dead. <coughs> I'm coming after you. And it's a promise that she made to Elijah. Verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. A couple of notable things here is Beersheba is about uh, upwards of 90 miles from where he was. I mean, he hightailed high it out of there. He, he beat feet. He, he got out of there, ran for his life, 
and uh, didn't want anybody with him. He leaves his servant, his assistant there, and he goes on in the wilderness. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay, he slept under a juniper tree. Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights and Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, and left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, <clears throat> and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said the same question that he had earlier. What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I even, I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return unto thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Ebel-Moholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet have I left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So then Elijah just goes and, and does according to what he was instructed. There were so many things that wore Elijah down in this instance. And it's, and it's a, a sad thing to, to read about these things, especially if you uh, um, regard Elijah as a hero. And he was. He was a, an amazing man of God, a man of, of uh, great contrasts, and a man of great power. God used him in a mighty way, calling out fire from heaven to desire to, to, to consume an, an offering that they built to prove who the, the real and, and uh, only God was. Wow. Talk about spectacular. This was a man that there were, there were miracle after miracle that Elijah did that showcased the power of God and the, and the, the, uh, the, the conquests and the victories of God. And here we find him running from a woman that threatened his life. And there's so many things that wore him down until we, we come to a pitiful condition where he's at this cave and he's asking God to just kill him. 
He's suicidal. He just, he, he wants it all to end. Just wants it to stop. You know, the Bible, if it were written by men, it wouldn't include things like these, would it? It would just put the positive things, but it gives the good and the bad. Uh, the positive and the negative. When the Bible speaks of different things, when the Bible presents things, uh, David, he's my hero in the Old Testament. I love the story of David and who he was and how that God used him greatly. But then you find the time where he fell and fell so hard. And it's all there. It doesn't just put the good things, it's the good and the bad. And here, Elijah was beaten down. And let's look at the only thing able to build him up. The intimate presence and the communion of God. When it was said, that still small voice, and, and God was emphasizing, God was teaching him what he needed to, to know, what he needed to have right here. He needed the Lord. And he needed that close communion with the Lord. I'm reminded of the song, and we, we sang a version of that in our monthly chorus, and I didn't know this was here. It's in my notes uh, because I prepared this, and but you know how the Lord just kind of fits everything together. I'm thinking of one of my favorite songs in the hymnal. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee. Oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. When God assessed Elijah in his condition, his words he said, this is too much. Elijah, you've, you've had overload. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 7, And the angel of the Lord came the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. And this is what he said, Because the journey is too great for thee. It's just been too much. It's been overwhelming. See, we are finite. We are limited. God is infinite. God has power, he has strength, he has what we need that we don't. Moses came face to face with his limitations in Numbers chapter 11, verse 14, when he said these words, I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy. It is too heavy for me. The Lord then lightened his load by recruiting help for him. As you know, the story goes in Numbers eleven seventeen. He says, and they shall bear the burden of people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. See, because we are finite, folks. God is infinite. He's infinite in power and in his wisdom and in endurance and limitations. But the Lord knows where we are and our condition, Psalm 103, 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. The Lord knows about our limitations. He knows as the, the, the limits as far as we can go and, and what we cannot take. See, the Bible calls Elijah a man of like passions, as we are in James chapter 5, verse number 17, when it talks about the effective, uh, the, uh, effective fervent, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much, talking about uh, Elijah's prayer and what he did. But then it says, Elias was a man subject to like passions, as we are. 
And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Even the limited Elijah prayed, and, and God did some miraculous things that were far beyond Elijah's capability. But he was of like passions as we are. He had limitations just like you and I. He could only do so much. He was a man. He was but dust. Subject to like passions. Passions is referring to his limitations, his emotions, his challenges, his frailties. Folks, that's us. That's me. That's you. We, we are limited. The trials manifested upon him were trials of stress and of the battle. I mean, he was, he was in the thick of it. He was the, the one that stood for God among all, against all odds. It was the stress of battle and the betrayal and physical, just pure physical ex exhaustion for Elijah in our text. He was pity partying, if you know what that is. I'll explain that in a little bit. I think we're all used to that. We're all familiar with that. See, these limitations and these frailties were manifested in him showing, showing out by his seclusion. His travel, getting away from things, his obsessive thoughts, sleep depri deprivation. That's what he needed, as a matter of fact. He left his servant, verse number 3 of our text in 1 Kings chapter 19, because he didn't want to be talked out of his fine pity party that he was preparing. See, he was at this point, he was discouraged. He, he wanted to be discouraged. He was going to be discouraged. And nobody was going to stop him. That's what his attitude was at the time. Have you ever felt that way? I have. I remember this one time when the church was uh, just getting started and I was in an apartment in Woodenville, one of the first apartments that we uh, ever came to. Well, that's 34 years ago and this was probably about 30, 31, 32 years ago when trying to get the church going and, you know, there's positives and negatives and some people coming on and some people getting mad at you. <laughs> so, you know, the ins and the outs and more people leaving than coming. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, man, just... You try to take two steps forward and you take three steps back. And, and it was just, I mean, the grind, it was just, and it was a Saturday night. I was getting ready for my messages for the next morning. And, and I was praying. My wife comes up to me. She says, uh, can I pray with you? I says, yeah, sure. I, I'd love that if you prayed with me. And I, so I started praying first, you know, and I'm, I'm praying and praying and, and just pouring out my soul and saying, God, it just doesn't seem, something, something's not working. It doesn't seem like things are it's just hard, and I just, I'm going on and on. I was, I was having a, a wonderful, a, a proper pity party. I really was, and I was enjoying it. And then my wife, she, in, in, she interrupted me right in the middle of my prayer. She goes, get a grip, and she just left, you know. <laughs> and, I'm going, and now my wife is just leaving me, you know, this is terrible. <laughs> And I'm going, this is, this is not good. I'm not, in a good. I'm not in a good way here. I was, I was having a pity party. Did you ever do that? Did you ever have a pity party? Did you ever just kind of, I mean, you're overwhelmed or there's things that you can't change and you're just, and, you're, you're, and that's, that's Elijah of like passions, just like you and I. Just like you and I. The thing about it was, though, he prayed and fire came down from heaven. He prayed, and the heavens stopped giving rain for three and a half years. He prayed, and God showed himself, manifested, showcased himself through Elijah in marvelous, wonderful ways. And notice what happened when, when he's in this discouraged state, and he's running, and he's in the wilderness, and, and what he needed was he just needed some rest. He just needed, and he was, he was pushed to the physical brink. The heavenly remedy here was sleep and nourishment. And then more sleep and more nourishment. Even to the cleansing of his palate. He, he had to, he, it was just simple. That's what he needed. He, he was just in a bad way. And there was things that just seemed so much worse than they really were. 
because there were so many things at the same time that were just piled on. But you know, if something, folks, our spirit is connected to our flesh. We are that way. And you know, a lot of times, a, a problem looks a whole lot worse at night before you go to bed than in the morning when the sun shines. But whatever happens to our flesh, that seems to be where we are, and, and, it's, and it's intertwined, and it, it affects our spirit. But um, even, after, even after the angel came and, and uh, let him sleep, and then he woke him and fed him, whatever it was, it was he was in the, in the strength of that for over a month. Wow. Talk about angel food. Goodness. That was, that was effective. We could really sell that one if we could get a bottle of that stuff that he had there. But uh, sleep and nourishment, more sleep. And uh, even after all that, he still had stinking thinking. Even after all that divine treatment, he still felt like he felt. And he, it was, it's harder to clear the mind than we think. I mean, we get in a, a, a rut. We get in a, an attitude, and we're, we're that way, and it's just really hard. And look at the divine questions. When God asked Elijah the questions, by the way, God's questions are never redundant. They're never for nothing. Why does God ask us questions? Throughout the word of God, you have when God deals with men, he'll, like here, he, he will ask us questions. And he asks the question right here um, to Elijah. Elijah, what are you doing here? Those questions are always for a purpose. And it's not for God's information. Do you think God didn't know what he was doing? <laughs> when Jesus came to the disciples and said, a lot of people here need to be fed. You just have, you know, five loaves and two fishes. Um, what are we going to do? Well, he knew what he's going to do. Why did he ask them? <laughs> to bring something out so that we would see. So that we would realize our inadequacy. Or realize where we are. Realize that there's no way. And God, with God, there is a way. But see, God's questions are always for a purpose, not for his information. Adam, Adam, where art thou? He knew exactly which bush he was hiding behind. He didn't need, he didn't need to know. Do you think he was, he was trying to elicit from Adam a response? Oh, yeah. He asked the same question to Elijah twice. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 9. He came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing? Why are you here? Is this the best place for you to be right now? Should you be somewhere else? See, all of this was, was so that Elijah could see where he was. He could, he could kind of look at himself and see the spot that he was in, his condition, his need. Step right here and ask you, where are you? What are you doing in your spot today? Are you where you should be? If God was to ask you that question, hey, Bill, hey, hey uh, 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 Joe, hey, uh, Betty, where are you? What's going on with you? Are you where you're supposed to be? Is this the best place for you? What are you doing here? What are you doing in, in your spot? Where are you today? Do you know and do you, do you walk with God? Are you healthy spiritually? You see, because that's what God would be asking me today in church. Hey, Rich, are you, are you where you're supposed to be? Do you have the right attitude? Are you walking with me? Are you healthy? Are you growing? Are, do you got a good attitude of the challenges before you, or, or are you discouraged? Where are you? So Elijah says, you know, to God, basically, we're failing. See, that's what's going on here. We're failing. Everything's, everything's bad. And he paints the picture, picture to God saying, nobody's standing, and this is bad, and this is bad, and I'm the only one, and we're failing. No, 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 hang on a minute, hang on a minute. God would tell him, y you may be failing. 
we are not failing. <laughs> I never fail. That's what God says. Isn't that a blessing to know that God never fails? He never, he never failed. Not once. Go ahead, find it. Find it in here. Is there, is there one place in the word of God that God fails? He, he gets his will accomplished. There are some that he allows to have free will to oppose him and, and, you know, knock yourself out. But you know what? God is sovereign and he never fails. Never, not one time, and he will not. Folks, it's not in his dictionary, failure. God never fails. See, God was getting Elijah to listen to himself. Oh, we're failing. Really? Really? This is too much for God? God can't win because of the opposition? You know, Elijah, that's where you are. That's not where I am. Let me uh, just share with you. And folks, when you, when you have a church with a, with a transparent preacher, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Okay? That's okay. Let it be uncomfortable. <laughs> I want to tell you, this week, this week I've, I've faltered right there. Right there. Exactly right there. I faced opposition and falsehood in such a way that such a denial of truth throughout the week and such intentional deception. I mean, face to face the, the, the depravity of man all around us in politics, in people, in lifestyles, in theology, in conspiracy theories, in personal weakness, in physical and spiritual attack. <laughs> and that's a normal week. <laughs> it's not any different than any other week. Really. I mean, that we live in that world. Such conflict that... Towards the end of this week, I rented an A-frame chalet on Discouragement Ridge. <laughs> a troubled treehouse in the forest of Despond. <laughs> God, we're losing. Look around. God, we're losing. Look at the scoreboard, Lord. What's going on here? So, God was telling me, to listen to myself. See, I'm going through this, and folks, I'm telling you the truth. It's the word of God, and it's a two-edged sword. I don't know if this is why it says that, but it's two-edged, you know. It cuts that way, but it cuts this way too, you know. And this is where we are in the, in the progression. And I'm reading this, and it's Elijah coming to this place where he's in a bad spot. And the Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And this week he says, what are you doing here? You might fail, but I never fail. Thank the Lord. I really, I, I thank the Lord for his intervention and his, his interceding. <clears throat> See, God was telling me to listen to myself. Really, listen to myself. Uh, I was... Just frustrated, just, uh, just frustrated. I'm dealing with people I love, relatives. I'm dealing with church members, dealing with situations out in the community and, and everything. And just, there's so many people that are, that are upside down and that are hurtful sometimes and that are, that are hurting themselves and I, loving them. I don't want them to hurt themselves. And so I'm, I'm having a rough time saying, God, look, look at the score. But he said, wait, 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 listen to yourself. So God can't win because of the opposition. That's what he told Elijah. So God can't win because there's a lot of people that are, that are not right. While we may affirm that we are okay, our passions indicate that we're lacking peace or joy or security or contentedness. And it was... It was an ad, you know, my situation. It was an attitude, an attitude that I was sporting that just troubled, just troubled. And it's not good. It's not. It, it kind of showed. It, it's it's kind of 
revealing that um, I'm lacking peace or joy or security or contentedness. I'm not being ruled by the peace of God. I'm not bearing the fruit of God, the God of peace. Isaiah 26, verse number 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. See, that's a promise of God. He says he'll keep us in perfect peace. But we have to focus. We have, we have to put our attention there, not there. You know? We have to... We have to listen to that still, small voice. Our, our minds stayed upon Jehovah. See, we need one thing. We need the Lord, and nothing else will suffice. So in this story, in this text, and by the way, I, I just thank the Lord that I know him and that he's able to, he's able to, he's the balm of Gilead. He's the soothing comfort to anyone's soul. He's the one that sets things right, and he did for me. And he's, folks, he's been doing that for me for some 45-some years now that I've known him. He is wonderful. He is absolutely wonderful. I want to say, God is good. I mean, that song that the choir sang, God is good. And I'm saying, yes, sing it. Yes, God is good. But in this story here with uh, Elijah, it says that there, he faced three things that God was using to use as an illustration or an object lesson. Spectacular object lessons of God for Elijah. Personal fireworks display. This is what happened. Three things. Number one was the wind, verse number 11. He, he takes him out here and he says, okay, I, I need to show you something whether that be a tornado or a typhoon or a hurricane or whatever it was, goodness, wind can be destructive to, to rent the, the mountains, break up rocks, to, to, to uh, just rip up even things that have a solid foundation. Listen, wind, when it's going fast enough, when it's, when it's uh, 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 focused at a certain point, is so devastating, there's nothing that can stand. Folks, you remember some years ago, um, the Category 5 hurricane that went through Oklahoma City and, and Moore, Oklahoma, there was a place there where it was a little bit of a different, we've never seen that before, I think, where, where something that was so, a, a tornado was kind of like a pinpoint, it'll come down and it'll destroy and come up and come down and destroy again. That was a Category 5 that was a mile wide, a mile wide, just tore up uh, urban areas of Moore, Oklahoma. We had some business at Heartland at that time, and, and we were there with some students or whatever, bringing them there, bringing them back, something like that. And so I, I happened to be there after. This was like uh, two weeks afterwards, and you heard so much about this. I wanted to see the devastation. I wanted to see firsthand what it looked like. So I drove out into certain areas where that I heard that it was, and looked fine. I mean, I couldn't find any devastation. I couldn't find anything. I thought the, I thought the hurricane was here in, in Moore, and, and, uh, and it did. It hit, but I, I couldn't find it. So I stopped at a convenience store and just asked one of the locals. I said, where, where did, where's, did the, the hurricane hit? Where's the worst of the devastation? And I'll never forget it, folks. He looked at me with, a, with the, these eyes like, just go away. Got all of these sensation seekers but it's our lives, and it's our business, and it's our homes, and it's our, our heartache. And all of a sudden, I realized, I, I didn't mean, I did not mean to, to bring any more pain. He told me where it was, and so I left there and just went, just nice, good neighborhoods. We move, go to the next neighborhood, nothing. Where houses and where, where businesses and buildings were, nothing. I mean, you can get in the middle of that, kind of look down the row, and it's just nothing. Right through, cut through the, the center of the city. Man, I tell you, wind, the kind of winds we're talking about here in our text, they're, they're just destructive. Destructive. Incredibly destructive. And then after the wind, that's not God. 
And that's what he emphasizes. God's not in, in that. The next one was the earthquake. I remember this was, I don't know, it must have been 19, 1997, 98, 99, I don't know. It was, it was, it was when, when uh, this area was hit with a 7.4 or 7.8 you know, earthquake. You guys that were around here then, maybe you remember. And, and the, we were pretty close to where the, the epicenter was, I guess, because the, the devastation, the, the, the effects were going on around here. We just put this thing together, this building. We're putting in seismic straps on the, on the walls. You know what seismic straps are? For those that are in construction, you know what I'm talking about. But there's metal uh, uh, honeycomb sheets that you screw in screws that will keep this beam and this beam together by uh, screwing them together. And we had to put seismic straps in this building. And well, the county's requiring that. Well, we got to do what the county's saying. So what in the world are these seismic straps? Seismic straps. We're doing this. And then after we got the building up and, and done, um, then the building, the, the, the earthquake hit. And when it hit, I'm in my office, and all of a sudden, there's some moving and shaking going around here. And I'm going... Tim Schellenberger was our assistant. I go, what is he? Is he dancing? What is going on? Tim, what's going on? I, I stepped down into the, the vestibule, and that, that chandelier there, I mean, we're so careful to put it up. That chandelier was going from side to side. I go, whoa, what is going on here? I ran outside and looked back to the building, and our, our steeple was going like this. And, and, and looked down the street, and it looked like water didn't look like concrete waves down the street you can see down 228th and I'm going yikes and that was just a 7.8 or whatever that was folks an earthquake can be devastating after that thing hit I'm saying thank God the county had us put seismic straps in here <laughs> listen less than that in in uh, Haiti and stuff just a uh, four point whatever kills millions of people you know what well, that's because of, you know, the, you know, building codes and whatever. So I was like, wow. But earthquakes can be devastating, folks, can be absolutely devastating. The earthquake, it's not God. God wasn't in the earthquake. And then after that scene, and then there's a fire. And fires, if there's one thing about fires is they're spectaculars. Every fire will... will have your eyes to draw to that flame, whether it be in a campfire or whatever, whenever there's a big fire going on, when, uh, when the gas coins lost their lumber company. Lumber, folks, buildings of lumber that, you know, uh, arson set the thing on fire and there's that thing caught and was on flames and it was on the news and everything else. Goodness, that was extremely manifest to the whole world. You could see the billows of smoke and the light of fire from at, at night for miles because of that, that fire. That talk about a display. But God wasn't in the fire. You see, the wind and the earthquake and the fire, they're over. All the grand display was to emphasize to Elijah that all the fanfare, all the spectacle will not, it cannot give one the calm the sane, the soothing presence of mind that only God can give. But God can give that. God can direct. God can speak. All of the world's show cannot give peace and true joy. All the money in the world can't do that for a person. God can give true joy. The woman at the well, when she was there uh, getting the water and Jesus talked about something that you'd not have to, you'll never get thirsty again after he was talking about the world, folks. He's talking about whatever the world offers, no matter the fair, no matter the, the spectacular show. Listen, it cannot satisfy. It cannot uh, ultimately give, give uh, happiness and joy. All the security, all the popularity of the world, all the bodily pleasure that a person can, can, can uh, uh, heap upon themselves, it's insufficient. That's not God, and it's not what a person needs. Not what a person really should, should get and should go for. See, because the Lord is the one that gives perfect peace. You remember the maniac of Gadara in Jesus' day when, when this man was, was possessed of demons and they couldn't hold him and he, he was incorrigible and uh, it was hopeless. 
He's cast off by the devil and the world and society of his day. He couldn't be contained or quieted or calmed. There was a continual scream whenever you come through that, that part of, of the area. There was, he was in pain, continual confusion, which, by the way, is a per- perfect picture of hell. Darkness and confusion and unfulfilled lust and pain and agony. But when he saw Jesus, when he met Jesus, changed his life. We saw a different picture. Mark chapter 5, verse number 15, it says, And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had legion. This is, this is his condition now. He's sitting and clothed and in his right mind. That's the Lord. See, God is consistent, and he's orderly, and he's in control, and he's powerful, and he's peaceful. His name is the comforter to the believer. Oh, by the way, if you're lost today, he's the uncomforter, uncomforter, uncomfortabler. He'll make you uncomfortable in your sin. But he has to do that. He has to show you're a hypocrite. You're a non-believer. You don't know him. You don't walk with him. You're going to die and go to hell. That's not good words. That's not comforting. But you must come to that, to come to repentance. The sham that you have for what you call Christianity. Hey, listen, you are lacking. You're weighed in the balances and you're found wanting. And that's the Spirit of God, the, the, the Holy Spirit, who is the uncomfortable, who's needling you right now and saying, you know what that preacher's saying? That's the truth. I need to get right with God. I'm so far away from God. I don't know what's going to happen when I die. Listen, that's the Spirit of God that's working on you. Thank God for that as the uncomfortable. Yeah, he did that to me, and it's called conviction, to bring me, brought me to Jesus, thank the Lord. And now I'm comforted. The same Holy Spirit. Wow, how about that? You know, it wasn't in the, the uh, um, wind or the earthquake or the fire. All of the, that, that um, giant show. No, no, that wasn't God. It was in the still, small voice. The intimate communion with God. In each of the previous, the wind and the quake and the fire, the conclusion was God was not there. God was not. God was not. God was not. Now, the still, small voice doesn't say God was not there. Yes, that's him. That's him. And you know what? He still works that way. He still works that way today. Isaiah 30, verse 21, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left, this is the way. And God speaks to us that way. He tells us that. Hey, you know what this preacher is saying is right. You know it's right. You know down deep inside you've got to listen Spirit of God is, is wooing, is speaking to you, and he's, he's giving you that still, small voice. This is how the Lord deals with us. He speaks to the heart. Psalm 32, verse number 8 says, I will instruct, God says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. And you know something, folks? He speaks through his word. Psalm 73, verse 24, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. God gives us his counsel, and he tells us, and this is his uh, illumination is light to our path. He, he guides us with his counsel. See, for the unsaved, there's a still small voice that's speaking to you right now. Listen. You, you really can't hear with your ears. And after what the sound booth did to us earlier, you probably can't hear anything at all now. <laughs> Sorry, guys, you do your best. That's, that's good. Sometimes it happens. But, hey, folks, you can't hear that still small voice audibly with your ears, but he's speaking. That still small voice, he's speaking. Listen, you need to meet the Savior who loves you more than anyone else has ever loved you. You don't know, listen, friend, you don't know what you're missing. You really don't. You need to listen to the Savior who's speaking to your heart. In just a moment, we're going to come to the invitation. I'm going to invite you to be saved. And if you've never been born again, you don't know what that means, then you just step out of your seat and come on down to the front. We'll take an open Bible and show you how that you can receive Christ as your Savior. You can do this. You can do this. You can meet the Lord today. We'll take you right back here in this, this uh, little prayer room. 
and just show you what the Bible says and then allow you to call out to God yourself. He's speaking. He's speaking to you. My quiet time with God is of more value, of more need, of more benefit to me, a believer, than anything else, anything else in, in my life, anything. My connection to him gives me more of what I really need than anything else, even the spectacular. No, it's not in that. It's in that still, small voice. My renewal can only be accomplished through my communion with my Lord. So right now, let's, let's have some communion with our Lord. Let's, let's do business with God right now. Every head bowed. We'll be looking for just a moment. Lord, I thank you for Elijah's example and, and how that you, you had so much to teach him. You, had, you, you needed to bring him to a realization of where he was. Lord, that you, and you do that. Whenever we see the scoreboard and whenever we see things around us and we, we say, God, it's not right. Things are not right. Things are not happening as they should. And there was, yeah, there was injustice in the world. There, there's oppression. There are things that are not right, things that should not be. But Lord, this is only the, the time right here, right now, where sin is allowed to have a, a long leash. Lord, everything's all right in my father's house. And Lord, you'll get things exactly as they need to be. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us just to trust you. Help us to have our minds stayed on you. Lord, I pray that you help us to learn what Elijah had to learn, which is not the big and the spectacular, but, Lord, it's in that still small voice that he needs that, he, that would give him that peace and, and correct his attitude and, and help him to kind of just trust you, allow you to be God in his life. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as believers to not forsake that time of devotion, the time that we have every day with you, Lord, the time that we do business with you, that you speak to us. Lord, help us to listen, help us to heed and hear that still, small voice. Help it not to be drowned out but so many other things. Lord, for that one that's here without Christ, Lord, I pray that you just bring them. Lord, you, you know and they know and you're speaking to them if you're doing your business, which I believe you are, which is drawing them, speaking to them. That, as it, as it said, that, that voice, you hear that voice behind us saying, this is the way. This is the way. Walk ye in it. This is, this is what you need. Lord, I pray that you bring that loved one to you. I pray that you would speak to hearts right now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet as we close the service. In this invitation time, this is a time for you to come. You can kneel at the altar right now as we sing on this very first verse. You can come, whatever the need. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life to of attitude today, whatever it is. If God has spoken to your heart, listen and obey and heed. Respond. Respond as God speaks to our hearts. Let's have heads bowed while the pianist plays through this next verse. The message was about <clears throat> that method, that way that God speaks to us. And the thing that we need to realize is when God speaks, we would be rude not to respond. When God is vying for our attention, it'd be rude to look away. It'd be rude not to answer him as he speaks. So that's, the, that's what we're doing right now is a response to the Lord. And don't worry about anybody else, just yourself. Where are you? What are you doing here? Where are you at in your life? How are you, you coming along spiritually? Is there, is there business that you need to, to take action on? Right now, right now is the time to say yes to him. Maybe you can kneel at your seat or spot at the altar. Whatever, as, as we sing this next verse, it'll be the last verse. Whether you come or whether you don't, this will be the last verse. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Let's, let's respond to him.
Thank you for your attention. You may be seated as we go through the announcements. for this month's Ladies Fellowship. Refreshments will be provided. Invite a friend and don't miss it. Hey kids, come join us this Saturday at 12.30 for our annual bowling activity at Kenmore Lanes. Cost is $11. If you have any questions, just ask your Sunday school teacher or stop by guest services. Married couples, come join us for our annual marriage retreat in beautiful Port Ludlow, Washington. February 13th through the 15th, Wooden Valley is putting on a great weekend of fun, encouragement, and activities designed to help revive, refresh, and revamp our relationships with our spouse. Special guest speaker Joe Decker will be giving valuable insight and simple support for couples who are interested in investing in their marriage. 